everyone to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. All right. Welcome to the Disco Posse podcast. And we are here. This is a rare treat where I'm actually here today with a professional broadcaster, professional podcaster, uh, and good friend in the industry, somebody who you've probably heard his voice, you've read his content, you've, you've, you've seen the stuff that, that he and his team are producing from the Packet Pushers. Today, I'd like to welcome uh, Ethan Banks to, to the show. This is super cool. Uh, we've talked a lot in the past. So Ethan, if you want to introduce yourself, talk about where folks can find you online, and, and then we're going we're gonna to get into the business of podcasting and, and a few different things. My name is Ethan Banks. I'm the co-founder of Packet Pushers Interactive. As, uh, as Eric was mentioning, that's over at PacketPushers.net. We are a network of technical podcasts aimed primarily at engineers. Uh, we have eight different channels now. We started with one channel way back in 2010. We've expanded to eight with, uh, with more channels planned and coming on board. And that's all at PacketPushers.net. You can find out all about that or just go to wherever you listen to podcasts, punch in Packet Pushers, and you're going to see all of our channels pop on up, including Spotify. We finally got the Spotify thing sorted out, Eric, now that, uh, now that Spotify made it a little easier to get on board their platform. Yeah, well, that's, and it's funny that that's, you think about ways to kind of syndicate and get your content out there. And, and we'll talk a bit about that. Really, the focus I want to really dig in on, because you've, you've obviously got experience in this, right, is moving to the point of being a, a professional broadcaster. You know, how, do you, mm-hmm. how did you make the jump as a, as a co-founder of this, this whole gig? You know, when, when did it become a thing where you said, hey, this is, this is my legitimate job now? <laughs> I, I joke about that, but I mean, we, we always see these things as like kind of something people do on the side, you know, me included. Mm-hmm. And then one day you go, I, I'm going to take the leap of faith. You know, how did you come to do that? Uh, you need to have, or well, the story for us was just, uh, first of all, a lot of years that had gone into it being, as you said, a side job. It was something we did for, it started out for fun, really. It was a recreational activity that uh, over time we realized because there's an audience here, because there are a lot of uh, people listening to the show, it is monetizable. That is, when you have audience that you can share a message with, there are people that are willing to pay for that. So for us, it became, well, how exactly do we do that? We don't want to sell mattresses. You know, we want, we want to monetize in a way that's actually beneficial to the audience, not just hammering some Squarespace ad down their throats. Uh, and the way we ended up doing that was working with vendors and their marketing departments to share technical content that would be interesting, educational, and hopefully useful to these folks that are out there doing the business of IT, uh, that are in the trenches, that are building things and so on. Um, and uh, we did it as a, as a spare project for a long time where we did it on the side. We made a little bit of extra money, but we had our day jobs building data centers, working on networks, uh, whatever it was that uh, we were working on, myself and Greg Farrell, my co-founder. And finally, making the jump was, we know we have a business model that's working. We both came to a point where Greg was 
getting to a point where he was near the end of a, of a major contract he was working on. Uh, I had been working for a startup company that uh, had made big promises to me as far as their funding situation, none of which came true. And I was kind of done getting denied budget requests to build them the network they asked me to build. And I said, eh, well, maybe this is a good time for us to part ways and, uh, and do this packet pushers thing full time. Uh, and then another point here that really matters is that Greg and I had de-risked our personal finances where we had uh, essentially no personal debt anymore. And it was a time at, with all of those things aligning, our personal job situation, our personal financial situation, and a business model that had been working for us for a while. We said, let's, let's do it. Let's jump in with both feet and go. Uh, and so we say, Jokingly, we were a, a seven-year overnight success. I think we did it for about seven years before we went into it full-time. So there really was a lot of years to, uh, to make that leap, a lot of persistence to get to that point. Well, and that's the classic story. You know, you, you started with an idea, like, here's a thing that I, I want to share. You know, here's some great conversations. It, it became something. You, it's not like you started like, all right, no idea what we're doing, but let's come up with this idea of a podcast and maybe one day we'll charge money. Like you kind of did it because it was, it was a thing you wanted to do. Did you, how early on did you see that it was, it was a potential business? We were approached by a startup company to uh, help them get their message out. Uh, we were focused initially exclusively on networking. I mean, we, we cover the whole IT stack now, but you know, back in the day when it was a very networking-focused show, there were a lot of startups in the networking space trying to do things with software-defined networking, uh, building complex uh, fabrics for data centers, and solving those sorts of problems. One of those companies approached us and this is how I remember. We're going back a lot of years, Eric. So, you know, if, uh, if, the, if the big Packet Pushers expose book comes out someday and the story's different, ah, I apologize. Memory sucks. But, but they basically said, hey, we, we want to do like a, you know, a project with you to create a show that's about our product. What would you charge for that? We were like, um, money? And we, didn't know, we didn't know what we didn't know at that point. It was, we were so new to it. So we, we threw some laughably low nuts number at them that sounded like real money to us and and uh, the guy we were working with was like yeah okay i'll put that on my american express card and uh you know and, and boom you know we were done and we were like huh well what did we just learn we just learned we should have charged more yeah, so that, right. well it, it became a journey for us to figure out what, what actually is this worth knowing that you can make money versus knowing you can make a money make enough money for it to be a living. Those are two different things. You know, side money and living money are, are very different uh, numbers you got to figure out. When, and it's, it's classic of this challenge. I mean, we, I do it all the time with, as my wife reminds me of salary negotiations. You go in the room and you're like, all right, so this is what I'm looking for. They're like, great, perfect. And you're like, oh, dang it. I totally under undercut myself. Like I, I should have, they didn't even argue. Like I, I should have gone in high. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And, and what happened to, to us as, as the Packet Pushers co-founders was transitioning from we're engineers that understand technology at a very deep level but now we have to learn this whole new language. We have to learn about marketing. We have to learn how marketing people think and what their needs are and what their budgets are like and what an audience like ours uh, means to them. Like if, if you marketing folks want to speak to IT practitioners, 
what is that worth to you? How does that translate to your budget? And, and, and is it worth enough to you that we can actually focus on this business full time? Uh, and then the, the, the short answer is obviously yes. Um, we, we figured out exactly how to do that and what our show ultimately was worth. And, uh, but, it, but man, it took years. We had to learn marketing speak. We had to learn jargon that we were unfamiliar with. We had to learn the folks that they were, that were working with us. What, what exactly did they need to demonstrate uh, value for the money that they were spending with us? Uh, and that just took time and experience and uh, having conversations with a lot of great people in the industry that were willing to be frank with us and share with us what we were doing. Not that they wanted us to charge more, you know, but, uh, but we still get enough insight to figure out where we could go with it to the point of actually charging uh, too much. You can actually charge too much where people start telling you no, at which point you know, ah, I've got it tuned just about right. I found the ceiling. Yeah. And, and then, then you can make decisions about the viability of your business model. The, the trust then reputation that your team has built. It's like that's a huge reason why you've been able to do what you do. Like I'm, I've been lucky enough to like, I, I know you personally and we've, we chatted a lot. Uh, you know, so it's, there's a, a real trust factor that I would, I would open up to you. I would share information about what, what my company is going for, other peer companies and, and other folks in the marketplace. Like that's a, that's a valuable thing. I, and I believe that that lend itself very well to your successes in building it that way. Because if you immediately came out of the gate and I've seen it, I've seen even friends of, of mine in, in, in my peers in the industry were like, okay, I know what people charge. So I'm just going to hammer out that cost. And they come and it's like blog sponsorship or white paper writing or, or podcasting. And, and they say like, well, it's, it's worth X thousands of dollars. And you're like, Hmm, that's uh, what exactly are you going to do for us first? And what are your metrics? They're going to drive it. And, and they don't, they, they lead with the number and, and then don't kind of back into that. And so the fact that your team is you know, aware of what you needed to do, you came in with a reputation of listening as much as, as, you know, for people that talk for a living, you have to do a heck of a lot of listening. And that played out to now a well-deserved success in, in, in how, like, again, how much of that was accidental? You know, did you recognize that your peer reputation was going to help you to grow? Uh, so th th there's a couple of aspects here of trust that I want to, uh, want to focus on for a moment. So uh, one is the audience that we have is based on trust. People in the audience that uh, Packet Pushers has listens to Packet Pushers because we're very honest about what's happening. We're not secretive when content is sponsored. We put it right in the title of the show and we say at the top of the show, this is a sponsored show. Um, and uh, in that way, the audience understands exactly what they're getting from us. We're not sneaking in guests that paid to be on the show and you don't know that it's a you know, it's a, it's a paid for a conversation in some way. We keep everything above board. And we, we treat the sponsors, the people that spend money with us in the same way. So the trust goes between us and the audience. The trust goes between us and uh, the vendors, the marketing folks that are spending money with us. We don't fudge numbers. We don't make up how many downloads people are getting of a show or not. Uh, we don't uh, we don't make up anything. We give you straight up numbers, exactly what you're getting from us for better or for worse. Sometimes the show doesn't perform as well as we would have hoped. 
um, and we work with the vendor rather than saying, you know, oh, just wait long enough, the numbers will get there. We work with them to explain, you know, the content, what happened, and how they can maybe drive the numbers higher, what they can do to leverage that content that they created with us. Uh, et cetera. There's a lot of rabbit holes we could go down there. But my, my main point is about uh, trust. When you're completely honest with A, your audience as a podcast, you must have a very clear understanding with your audience about what it is that they are listening to so that they can make their own judgments about how to listen to it, how to consume that content. Uh, that's crucial. And then with the vendors that are, in my case, I deal with a lot of folks in, uh, in Silicon Valley, you need to be very honest with those people about the content that's being generated, how it was consumed, how it's being received, feedback, uh, and all the rest. And just having a very open dialogue about that uh, matters. There's more to it than just numbers. It's, it's really an interesting conversation, Eric, because it's not just how many consume, but the quality of, the, uh, of that consumption. In other words, you can have a million people that click through because you hired some click farm uh, somewhere to click, 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 click and make the numbers look very impressive. But that's a very different result than when you're listening, when you're in, in our case, speaking to uh, several thousand IT practitioners that have a demographic that we can share with you because we survey our audience every year and here, based on the, you know, the, the questions that we asked, here are who these people are. Therefore, when you are speaking to the packet pushers audience, you are speaking to these types of people who are effectively qualified leads. If they listen to the show that you created with us and they reach out to you, then you've got um, uh, an actual person who understands your product and knows that they need it. That's a whole lot different than going to a conference and getting a, uh, a, a scan on a badge, you know, that kind of thing where you have no idea whether that person was genuinely interested or not. They just happened to be walking by and someone grabbed them. Okay, that was a lot of, again, rabbit holing again, but all going back to that notion of, of trust, understanding what you're getting, and we're as straightforward as we can possibly be about that. Uh, that matters. And the, I love that comparison, right? The drive-by, we, we, we often, we hear them called trick-or-treaters at, at shows. <laughs> They're like peeking over your shoulder to look at what shirt you've got as a vendor booth. And, and, and fair enough, I mean, these people come, you know, they, they attend a show, they're paying $3,000 to be there for four days. They want to get their personal value out of it. And that comes in the way of t-shirts, you know, toys for the kids, stuff like yep. that. Conversations yep. are, are, you know, what, what we find, you know, as a presenter at some of these events is that the second day when that person comes back and you're like, hey, you know, can I get you a t-shirt? Because it's kind of like the, the way you just, you know, you've got 30 seconds to at least grab a, a badge skin. So you get them and they're like, oh, well, actually I was here yesterday and uh, love the t-shirt, whatever. But quick question, you know, what, what do you got? How do you deal with whatever? And then, uh, aha, okay. Now I'm like when you invited Dracula into the doorway. That's it. <laughs> I, uh, this is legit. I can actually dig into the platform. But up until that point, I'm just really, I'm a person who happens to be on the floor of a show you know, trying to like, yeah. keep, and, and it's, and it's funny as a podcast, that's it, right? When someone's listening to it and I've had it, I've had it happen where I like, I'll just listen to a podcast and I hear like a book title or I hear a, a website or something and, and I go there and, and I find this kind of neat network effect of, I listen to four or five different podcasts 
that I like. I watch for the shows that matter to me because I've, I believe I'm an evolved podcast listener. In other words, I follow 10 podcasts and I can't listen to 10 podcasts every week. So I, I stopped subscribing and I just kind of like pick and choose which episodes to watch. So when I'm, when I'm dialing and I go and I listen to the data knots and I hear about a product, I'm going to go to that website. Like I am a, an MQL, a marketing qualified lead. I've heard this thing on a free medium and I made a point of going to the website and connecting those dots is, is where that's pretty, it's pretty fun to see it happen. It's a little scary because, <laughs> oh boy, there's a lot of data that drives, you know, how you figure out who's doing that. But it's, that's a, it's a different piece, right? So like getting businesses to understand that, getting people yeah. to understand is, is tough. Yeah, yeah, you're really highlighting uh, one of the major challenges we have in our business model, which is where, even though podcast has been around for a long time, uh, it's still an education uh, process that we go through with marketing folks to help them understand, as you said, that network effect. How does this work? How I mean, do 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 we get names and addresses of all the people that listen to the podcast, and and then we can dump that into our leads funnel? No, that's not how that works. You don't get any of that. Um, Oh, so well, how how do we know that uh, that that when when we record this show with you and you know write you guys a check that this is going to turn into sales, because of exactly what you said, people listen to the show. They are uh, technical consumers. They are looking for the answers to problems, and when they hear that product uh, talked about on on our show, we're going to do a you know a technical interview with knowledgeable people about this vendor's given product or big idea or startup or, you know, whatever it is, we're going to dive as deeply as we can in a 45 minute to hour long format. That person, if that discussion says, hmm, there's something there, I think that product could help me within my company. What they then do is dig in for more information. They click through, they go to the company's website and find out. Um, uh, more information and, and maybe start talking to salespeople and, and set up a, a, a POC. Uh, and they, they react because they heard in a, in a way that speaks to them, speaks in an engineering format. Uh, because uh, people like Greg and I have that background. That's where we lived. And so we asked those kind of questions. We asked questions on behalf of the engineers um, about a product and, uh, and get those sorts of answers from the, the, the vendor folks, hopefully is that the engineers that are listening get a real good sense of whether this is for them or whether it's like, nah, doesn't solve any problems that I've got. Therefore, when they, uh, those listeners reach out to the website, ping that salesperson, it's not a waste of anybody's time. Everybody already knows what's going on here. Oh yeah, I heard about your product on packet push and uh, we're interested uh, we're we're company X and uh, we've got these problems I think you guys can help can we set up a meeting and have a conversation that's exactly how that ends up working but as you say Eric there's no easy way to quantify that or prove that or you know demonstrate on a piece of paper that these are all the actions that happen yeah there's like some click tracking you can do and all that kind of stuff but eh, you know on the whole we rely most heavily on word of mouth and our biggest customers tell us we get most of our leads from the Packet Pushers Network. That's why they keep coming back uh, you know, every year, that kind of thing. And how do they know? The salespeople tell them, yep, um, thus and such a customer heard about the product on Packet Pushers, and that's why we're talking to them. And so they, they keep doing things with us to, uh, to keep driving those inbounds. Yeah, you know, and I think of, you know, when I listen to, you know, I listen to satellite radio, I, I, I 
dread broadcast, traditional broadcast radio, mostly because it's like New Jersey time chime at 11 minutes past the hour. Ding. All right. Traffic and weather coming up at the 12s. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm like, I don't need to hear all that stuff. I just wanted to hear a, a fun conversation. And, and these folks that they all sound like NASCAR drivers. They got the perfect enunciation. And I'm like, oh, oh. I just, I actually want to hear a conversation between two or three people. And it's going to be meaningful to me rather than yeah. and not to discount the value of what that medium has brought society and, and people still listen to it. But when I go to satellite, I'm picking a channel that's very specific. It's very tuned to what I want. And I got to listen to it in chunks. I can grab it on demand. And I, and that's the thing, like podcast opens the door to that. We talked about, you know, as a, as an industry, how, you know, a lot of people felt like, oh, blogs are dying and, you know, microblogging is going to replace it. And, and what it really highlighted was that microblogging really doesn't get the message across well. In fact, it, it makes it really, really tough to have good conversations sometimes. And, you know, so here it is when I listen to you and your team talk with people, it sounds like, sounds like a conversation I'd love to have. And that's the difference of, I, my favorite thing when somebody asks me, they're like, I like your show because it sounds like a hang. Like it sounds like just a bunch of people spending time in the side hall of a, converse, of a convention center where we normally meet up. And that's where, like, that's what I loved about doing it was these are great conversations you get to have with people. I really wish that all of my friends could be here to listen to it. So yes. Like, oh. Let's record them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the barroom conversation with friends over beers. Uh, you know, the napkin uh, uh, whiteboard there because you got a napkin and a pen handy. So all of a sudden, that becomes your drawing tool. You know, that kind of stuff. And and that's that's actually a good point. Is you can't just have sponsored conversations with vendors all the time. You know, there's and and we don't. We try to keep it to no more than fifty fifty sponsored versus just conversations with with people. So that. There's, there's an aspect to podcasting and, and the, the, the micro niche, the, the very focused kind of conversations that you're allowed to have and able to go deep on. You, you've got to have, be able to have a, a real and authentic conversation. Um, sponsored conversations can definitely be that way. And the best sponsors get that, where they can just talk honestly about their product and not worry about managing the message and delivering our bullet points. You know, they, they actually get right down to it and just have a, a real honest conversation. And those are the very best sorts of uh, uh, vendor-sponsored conversations to have because you learn so much through that. Uh, the, the, the thing about IT vendors that some people don't realize is some of the, the brightest people in the industry work for vendors. They are deep engineers and coders and have product creation behind them that have impacted the industry in incredible ways. And to be able to talk to those people is uh, really uh, astonishing that podcasting gives you the, the the platform to be able to talk to those kind of folks and have those sorts of conversations. Just because they work for a vendor doesn't mean you should hold that against them. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I the conversation is really what matters to it all. And I've it's funny. I've actually I had I had somebody who approached me. Uh, and they said, "Hey, would be would be great to get on the podcast." You know, my you know I'm a PR rep for a company, and, and they've got they're doing some really neat things. So it's like, oh sure, I'll I'll give it a run. Like I'm not going to charge money for it because it's I don't have the model there yet. I wasn't ready. Anyway. So I had this. I set up this conversation. I said, "All right, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to give you these like these are like the three focus areas. It's basically, three questions." You know, it's going to go back and forth on each one. It's going to be seven to eight minutes per section, and and this one. And what ended up happening was every single one was, 
Well, that brings the importance back to what we're doing here at X company. <laughs> and, and I was like, yep. and I tra- kept trying to like steer it away. Like, well, look at what you've like, you've seen this industry evolve and, and it must be powerful to watch it. And now you can affect it. Said, yes, our customers, 300 and growing now recognized as one of the marketing. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh no, dude, you're really wrecking this. Like this was, we were going to have a great conversation and you've just turned us into like, wow, I love my mypillow.com pillow. And it makes I it- know. Oh, and there are vendors that get this and there are vendors that don't. So we tell the, the vendors, it's like, okay, you, look, your audience here, the people you're talking to are, are engineers. We understand that you're doing a product launch or you've got some big ideas that you want to get across. And that's fine. We respect that. You know, you're, you're paying for some airtime here. And great, we're going to help you deliver those messages, but we need to do it in an authentic way. It can't be what you just described, Eric, where all of a sudden it's the, <laughs> I love my pillow from mypillow.com. You can't keep hammering back on that message because it's so tedious. Uh, but, but yet, in, in some of the larger companies, they won't let certain employees speak because they are not, quote unquote, media trained. You know, you've got to know how to speak to the media so you can really handle, handle and manage that message which makes for a terrible podcast listening a lot of times. Uh, you really want someone that could just you know, speak from the gut and yep, they're going to deliver um, up their bullet points about the product launch and all that. And we want people in the audience to understand those things, but without it being, you know, sounding like that, 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 that manhandled uh, message, which is just tedious. It's like talking to a politician and, and, you know, good on them. Like that's a, that's a skill unto itself to be able to say like, you know, how do you feel about the challenges with free speech in, in the world right now at universities? Like, well, let's stop for a moment and think about the importance of what you're talking about. Constitutionality is the core. Like, oh, and they immediately go back to a talking point that they can hone in on. Like they don't want to answer the question. They need to get back to their talking points. And to be able to do that, this like verbal jujitsu, it's impressive to watch. And I like, I like watching them do it. I've, I've, I, I kind of tested when I was at tech field day. Most of all, you kind of like you throw a softball to a vendor because you're asking them questions and they're on camera answering this question. So I'll hand them a softball. I'm like, you know, what do you, what does your team do around this thing? And they're like, Oh, that's a great question. And let's go into what it is. And then I like, kind of like, if I feel them dilly dallying a bit too much on their messaging and you know, gardeners recognize that we, I'm like, no, no, no. So what do you actually do? Like, how does it do this thing? And then they start to pull it back to this, like, let's think about the high-level message before we get down to the details. I'm like, no, no, we're here for the details. Actually, we're very much here for the details. <laughs> no, marketing people don't understand the, the diversity of audiences sometimes. Sometimes they think we're always talking to C-level executives, and so we're going to choose these specific bullet points and, and phrases and hammer certain words home and bring up Gartner because that's what resonates with those people. And we think those people will drive decisions from the top down, but occasionally technology decisions are driven from the top down. It really varies a lot by organization, but uh, just as often, I think uh, more often, it's the people in the trenches that are making the technology buying decisions. Maybe they don't have signing authority, but they're the ones that go into their companies and say, hey, uh, we have this problem and I heard about this product. We should talk to them. I really think that this product could impact us in this way You know, because we got this problem and they address that. So why don't we bring them in and make that happen? And then the, you know, the process begins there. It begins with the people that want to understand the details of how it works and not be not have this repeated set of phrases and very specific verbs and words that I know marketing people work on very carefully to 
because this word was chosen over this word because reasons, and they have their logic uh, of why that is chosen, when in fact, the people in the trenches care about how it works because they understand their infrastructure so uh, intimately. They probably built most of it. When they are evaluating a problem and looking at solutions to fix that problem, they know how that potential solution will work or not work within their organization in a way that the top level folks don't. They'll, you know, they can recommend a product that in fact may not work well within their infrastructure because they're not the engineers that built it. They don't, you know, it may sound good to them, but they don't actually know. You got to get that mind share with the people in the trenches. And I think a lot of uh, marketing folks overlook that when they manhandle the message uh, too much uh, when they're getting their technology messages out the door. Yeah, and you think of like the moments, the moments right after. This is a sponsored podcast. We'd like to thank our, our guests here today. You know, like you get into that thing like, okay, it's sponsored. Let, and I give them rope. Like I've got basically three to five minutes where I'm going to hear how it's going. And if I hear it conversationally pick up, I'm like, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to hang on. Like I'm, I'm there because I'm, I know the val I know the questions you're going to ask are going to be valuable and the way they answer them is going to tell me whether I'm hanging in for the whole hour or whether I'm going to, you know, archive that podcast and maybe pick up the next one. It's, it's so much different than like the broadcast thing where it's literally just going in. Don't forget to visit mypillow.com forward slash disco posse. Again, you know, I got <laughs> where they yeah. throw in like non sequitur plugs for stuff like that's not, that's not the medium anymore. Podcasting is a chance to have legitimate, really personal conversations that open the door to stuff that matters to a practitioner, to a professional, to a whatever, whatever the audience is. Like you are creating a conversation that matters to you. And thus, just like every developer that built a product that then sold 10 million copies, they're solving a problem that they have. And a lot of other people have the same problem. You're having a conversation that you want to have. And it just so happens there's a lot of people, thousands of people, tens of thousands, really, who want to have that same conversation. And you're representing that. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's humbling, I, I, you know, in that you can do that and represent so many people. And, and, you know, you do a great job of it. Yeah, it's funny what you said about getting certain guests on, and you can tell in the first three to five minutes how they're doing. And, and we've, we've actually done this where you'd never see this in the finished product, but in the back channel, what's happened is we've begun a recording, and because they're delivering bullet points and they're a bit monotone and robotic, we'll be like, no, guys, you're killing this opportunity. You're talking to somewhere between probably ten and 20,000 people right now. Think of it like a keynote speech that you're delivering only, you know, from a scale perspective, only it's actually happening on a one-on-one -on -one individual level. That, that's how you got to think about this thing. You've got the opportunity to reach right into someone's mind and, and communicate on a very personal level. And you don't want to do that. This is an audio PowerPoint. You know what I mean? You, you, you <laughs> want to have that, the authenticity uh, behind it where you're just talking and, uh, and sure, you don't want to say anything dumb or anything that would get you in trouble or anything like that. Fair enough. And so you've got some guidelines, no doubt, that you're going to establish internally to help drive that conversation. And like we said, you can have your points you want to get across, but let's have a real conversation. And in that first three to five minutes, we can tell what that person's going to be like, where it's like, oh boy, strap in, this is going to be fun. Or, oh gosh, we're going to have to liven them up. We're going to have to slap them around something to get some life into this conversation. Yeah, and I, I definitely appreciate, you know, the, 
we get used to it and you know as as folks that are are kind of more forward and you know we write a lot we do other things so you're used to like a voice that you've got whether it's in, in words on on paper or on a blog or in, in an actual microphone a lot of times you get people to come on and they're like so how does this thing work you know like they they really they're especially new startup founders or like engineers like i talked to incredible engineers and i realized like oh wow this is i'm lucky you know, that I, I kind of am able to, to say things and that sounds normal, like it sounds conversational, but a lot of people, that's just not their skill set. They're incredibly focused and smart at one thing and public speaking is not one of them. So you get them on a microphone and it's a lot of like having to pry it out and yeah. you really, you want to relax them. And sometimes it's hard to do that in 30 to 40 minutes. So, so there's a there's actually a couple of techniques that we've used. Um, again, it's all background stuff that you'd never see as a podcast consumer, but that, that we do to address that specific situation. Because you're right, there's a personality type where they may be the most brilliant engineer, coder, whatever it is that have created a thing and they're responsible for this, but but articulating themselves isn't a natural skill set for them. They're uncomfortable, they're introverted, they're nervous perhaps, or anxious. Um, and so there's a, a couple of different things that we do to help um, folks with that. One, we uh, prep with them. We let people know what's going to happen before we record. There's a process to it. We um, will have a conversation about that process just to set people's minds at ease about what it's like. We, for example, remind people, this is not a live recording. This isn't going live streamed. Um, if you say something that you wish you hadn't said or you could have said better, you have a chance to have that bit deleted or retake it. We're not going to, this isn't reality TV. We're not here to create drama. We're here to educate people and get some good information out there into the world. So don't be nervous in that sense. If you totally flub a take, we'll fix it. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's okay. Um, we also prep with a document ahead of time, usually a Google Doc, and share that with them. So these are the questions that we think we want to ask. You've told us these are the points that you want to make in the conversation. Great. So these are the questions that are going to ask where we're going to have a natural conversation that's got a story arc. It's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And along the way, we are going to cover your talking points, but cover a lot of other things as well that are going to be interesting to the audience that's listening to this. And here it is. Here's the document. No secrets. This is what's coming. Uh, and you can prep for that however you like. Some people just kind of want to know what's being asked and they may uh, write up a few points that they want to cover to make sure they answer the question in a way that uh, is satisfying to them. Some people script it out, which we don't recommend because it goes back to that mypillow.com kind of a vibe. Uh, but, but some folks that are anxious and nervous will script it out just so that they've got the confidence they need to be able to speak on the microphone. Um, but again, there's all that prep time. They know what's coming. Um, they know it's not going to be live. They know the questions that we're going to ask and, uh, you know, and so on. So that, that gives people some comfort um, uh, to, 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 to speak in that way. You know, another thing that we don't, when we're getting ready to record, we don't actually jump in in 30 seconds and, you know, punch the record button. We try to get to know the people that we're about to talk to a little bit, who the guest is. We work on their audio a little bit to make sure the audio is going to sound good. We try to crack a joke here and there, get them laughing a little bit just so that they feel a little bit more comfortable and know that uh, me or Drew or Greg or Chris Wall or whoever the host is or the hosts are for that day. Hey, we're real people. And, um, you know, you can, you can talk to us, you can interrupt the middle of the recording if you need to for whatever reason. So that, that helps to uh, chat sometimes for 10 or 15 minutes before the show. 
And that uh, often will lead to a better result. The person feels more at ease. The person feels more comfortable. The thoughts flow more easily. They're not panicked about the question, did I give my answer well? And, and, and they don't have that, that stage fright that can so often come when you're uh, new to this whole podcasting thing, which a lot of these folks, they've never been on a podcast before. And, and someone told them, you know, get on the mic and talk. There's about you know, 10, 15, maybe 20,000 people that are going to hear you. So don't screw up. <laughs> Thank you. We give them a chance to, to take it easy first, you know? Yeah. Well, I, what was neat was I, I learned the other side of it. I've, I've talked with, so there's a company, Bloor Media Group, and they've got a couple of, of shows they do, and they're like syndicated on, on various stations throughout the United States. And it was funny going on there and getting invited on is kind of like an independent voice or a voice from the industry. And you get to talk about what you do. And the first thing I think is like, that's the last thing I want to talk about. Like, I'm going to give you 19 seconds about what my company does. And then like, so, you know, Hey, what's happening? You know, like that's, let's, <laughs> let's get into right. the conversation. And it's funny. They'll bring on people who are maybe kind of like podcast ready, but this is a live, it's live to air. And it's a fundamentally different flow. I love it because I've been a fan of radio for years and I, I love this kind of thing. It's, you know, they'll play the stingers and you get all set and all of a sudden you hear 30 seconds, you know, and like you just, oh, yes. over you. and then all of a sudden like, all right, you know, the bumpers come in, <clears throat> they start the live play, he keys off the thing and you'll hear the handoff like, so, you know, Pete, tell me, tell me what is, what does PDX consulting do? You know, how, what's, and, uh, we are founders in the industry around data management. And <laughs> they know I'm like, dude, you got three minutes. You're going to use 258 of that. Like you can sense that like it's going south and you feel bad for them because like they kind of didn't, they weren't ready for it. And again, like you said, like when you bring someone on, you got to be like, this is how it's going to go. And then sometimes, you know, like we have, and I love working with the host, have been on a bunch of times because we actually have fun. You laugh, you know, you have conversations, you say jokes, <laughs> right? It sounds like a normal conversation. And, but the, the, that whole thing of like, okay, you know, you hear the, when you hear the music, that means we're got, you know, we're coming close and all of a sudden you're 60 seconds, like just it. And that's just the producer coming in over the, over the, from some bunker in the middle of the States and, and all 20 seconds. And, and that's it. You hear the, the bumpers and the stingers and you hear it going and all of a sudden, whoosh, okay, we're clear. And then you can talk for two minutes and then it, it kind of pipes back up in your mypillow.com is proud of sponsor, like whatever. And then it, here comes the theme music and like 30 seconds and, and you're live again. I'm like, wow, that is kind of stressful. <laughs> it, yeah, it is a different format. I haven't done much live stuff. I don't have anything regular, but, it, but it's come up a few times. I've been involved with uh, Cisco TV on a couple of productions that have come up over time. Uh, and I've done some live stage podcasts with, uh, with Greg and, you know, and other guests in front of a live audience. It, it is a different sort of an animal for sure uh, that crops up. But I, I, one of the things that... I like the, I've got a great face for audio, as they say, right? <laughs> I, it, it is right. a lot of fun when you have to like, look into the camera the right way and do all the things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think one of the things that I think some people don't understand about uh, a well-done podcast or, or a well-done live set is you aren't actually winging it. There's a whole lot of planning that goes into all of these shows. Um, so any show that I'm... Uh, well, though, as hosts, we tend to be the producers as well. Um, any show that I'm producing, there's a lot of time that went into scripting that show. Not a word-for-word -word scripting, but 
deciding, okay, this, this is the information that we want to relate in the course of the conversation. How to actually do that? You need structure. You need a series of questions that you're going to ask to drive that conversation forward in a logical way. Um, so the uh, planning process for a host, for a producer, it, it, there's actually a lot of hours that go in on the back channel to make a podcast be what it is. It's not just, okay, rock up to the mic, hit the record button and go, because <laughs> then you just kind of wander around. You don't really know where that podcast is going to go. And if, you're, if your goal is to speak at a educational level, uh, to people, you need to have a, a pretty good idea of what content you're going to be delivering to deliver on that educational promise uh, and not just have it be a, you know, the random show, which uh, uh, I think Tim Ferriss and Kevin, uh, what's his name there, do, which is truly just the random show. They, there's alcohol involved and they just talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do a drinking show. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. But it's, so that's what's funny. I, mean, I think of it as like, when you see a stand-up comic and they like shut someone down and like they improv or like they'll, they get a heckler and they deal with them. You have this sort of sense like, boy, that person is like fast. They're like, well, they're fast because they've done this 10,000 times. So I oh, think yeah. you've, your ability. So when I hear Tim Ferriss go off the cuff, he's never really like, he's always off the cuff because he knows he can land. Like he knows he where he's got to stop. He's like, He's got his internal timer saying, I've been talking for 90 seconds. I need to pause. Like he, he's got, like everybody has that kind of internal monologue from doing it often enough. And you, again, like your, go back to some of the first podcasts. Would you, would you go back and tell somebody, hand them your second podcast and say, here's what the show is going to be like. I'd be like, don't ever listen to the first 10. Never listen. <laughs> you don't want to oh, hear yeah. what <laughs> it, it evolves. Podcasting is a learning process. You don't understand how to do it. You kind of know what you're doing, sort of. And, and, and in the beginning, it is more of that. You know, grab the mic and go and just see what happens. And maybe you've got some topics or it's a rough thing and then you just kind of sort it out. But when you're working with regular guests or like Greg and I have been podcasting together as co-hosts for many years, in the beginning, we didn't know each other all that well. We, we kind of knew each other from the internet, but Greg lives in Europe. I live in the U.S. We'd never met each other in person before. We just both had blogs that we were, we read each other's blogs and they were popular in the networking space. We kind of knew each other that way. We didn't know each other. So you end up learning how to work with a co-host and how they think and how they talk and how to react to them to keep a good conversational flow going. You begin to learn to work with guests and, uh, and what that show is supposed to be like uh, so that the, the guest is given an opportunity to share the knowledge that they have to impart, what it's like to be a good host um, on, on a podcast. You don't, you don't, you don't have any of those skills if, unless you were trained in it. Uh, you don't have any of those skills if you're, let's say, an engineer you know, coming into the world of, of media and podcasting until you learn them and you learn them by doing them. And yeah, I've looked back at some of the first, as you said, the first 10. You know, we've done, there's a thousand something shows in our catalog now that we've built up over the years. But, uh, you know, the first 10, I, I, I look back at some of the titles and go, oh yeah, I remember when I thought that was clever. <laughs> you kind of you kind of evolve and grow beyond that stuff and so the first like eh, a little, little embarrassing a little rough around the edges would you ever think about like so how do you like the live 
events because i've seen some of the like live recordings i've seen greg do like keynote leading and he's you know again he's he's done it so well with podcasting and just knowing the conversation to have he's good at steering would you ever think about doing that kind of open forum you know how what's your comfort level or do you feel that it's the audience that you've got would care or not care to do it that that way Oh, it's it, some of it's personality driven. So, so if you compare, you know, Greg to me, you know, Greg likes to be provocative. Greg likes to, you know, engage the crowd in a way that may be controversial or, you know, create a discussion around, a, you know, a point that could be taken one way or the other. Um, you know, and that's a particular, you know, live format that can work extremely well. That's not my style. I don't deliver that way. So a live format that happens to work better for me one of the things we do at Packet Pushers is the virtual design clinic, which is a quarterly live event. It's about four hours long and it's a mix of, excuse me, it's a mix of ask me anything questions where we have a panel uh, discussion for mm, a half an hour, 45 minutes uh, around whatever questions are coming through live or that were submitted by people that registered to attend the live event. And we talk through those questions and then it's live presentations where uh, someone who is an expert in some topic is doing a 45 minute presentation on X and I'm asking them you know, live questions and or relaying questions that are coming in from the ads, which is more my style. That's fine. And I, I've also done a lot of panel discussions uh, live where it's about trying to drive the conversation and keep it on point and people tend to go off and wander away and you got to bring them back and, you know, and so on. Um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of that kind of stuff and, and you can do that and have that be successful. But the, you know, the skill that's involved there is making sure you've got, you have an understanding of what the central theme is uh, and then you're delivering on that theme. You've made a promise to the live audience to deliver content that covers X and then making sure that live conversation is delivering on the promise of whatever that title and, and synopsis implied. That can be a hard thing, especially if you've got runaway guests that just want to talk about whatever, especially if they're, for example, I used to uh, do a lot of work with the interop conference. I don't at this point, but in the past when I did and I'd be chairing a panel discussion, people would be up there that paid to be on that panel. They're sponsor, sponsoring the event at some point and they are just off doing the mypillow.com thing. Like, no, no, no. The, 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 this conversation is about this. Stop talking about your company. Come back. Right. Come back. There's people in the audience we're trying to give value to. Can we deliver some value instead of delivering bullets? Ugh. Yeah. It would, the, the whole idea of monitoring the response like you learn you know your audience that isn't listening live from history right that's which is the challenge that people have all the time i when you do public speaking you get used to reading the room and so you're reading the the virtual room is sometimes a physical room on behalf of your guests and it's always painful you're like oh well, you're totally missing this great opportunity. Like there's people that want to dig in on this stuff. Just, just don't, don't keep saying your company name. <laughs> it, well, it, it goes back to the, your job as a host. So as you mentioned, reading the virtual room, right? You need to listen to what people are saying. Think about how the audience will be receiving that information and then make sure the points are clear. You know, make sure that, you know, for example, someone talks about, some new idea and they've loaded it down with acronyms and jargon that not everybody in the audience maybe would have heard before and say, Hey, you mentioned X, whatever the acronym is. Can you explain what that is for people in the audience that are, are new to that to make sure that everybody's got the context and can keep up with the conversation. That's another one of the challenges of podcasting is 
not everybody's at the same knowledge level. We have people that are college students. They're working on their computer science degree or something similar. And people that have been in the business for decades and everywhere in between. Some people are practitioners. Some people are working within vendor companies in Silicon Valley, all coming at this content from a different perspective. And you're trying to make sure that everybody that's listening is getting value out of it. Uh, it's, and that's a, that takes, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But it's a, it's a skill that you have to develop if you're trying to break into podcasting fresh. Yeah, and, and I think it's even like public speaking and, and in general, <clears throat> it's, it's one I'd love to, I'd love to, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring on it. And I, I, I've, I've talked to more folks that are starting to do that because it's, uh, I call it the art of listening to 500 people at a time. And when you're standing on, on top of a stage and there's 500 people staring at you, you know, I, I've got this weird dichotomy. You know, I like to create my content very close to the events. I like to be, I ride off the cuff, you know, because I know I can kind of reel it in a bit. I know, and, and if I know I can steer, if I, if I do something and it gets a zero, right? If you just like make a reference and like, whoo, no Z390 references allowed here. That's not going to fly. There's nobody who knows what a mainframe is. Perfect. You know, there goes three of my slides. You just dump it and you, you immediately like kind of listen and, and adjust and you watch those reactions. And then podcasting was like, Oh boy, they're not there to watch. Like that's, I got to remember to do those things without any cues to do those things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now this is the fun parts too. You know, you've got your own business where I want to, I'm going to explore an entire hour with you on productivity and, and, and focus Mm -hmm. one day. Uh, you've done a ton of stuff, you know, as, as we kind of wind down, I want to share with folks, read Ethan's content. He's got some great stuff around staying focused, uh, the art of, of sort of sifting past the noise and, and staying on, you know, staying healthy, like mindfully healthy. You know, we we see social media is challenging. Sometimes we've got 8,000 podcasts. We can list to tons of blogs we can (laughs) read and it's super easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, you know, if you had, if you had a top kind of tip you could give somebody to, as you're thinking about focusing yourself, you know, maybe it's cause you're going to do a podcast. Like how do you, how do you make sure that you set your goal, stay on that goal, you know, whether it's for a podcast, for a blog or, or something. Well, whether it's for a podcast, for a blog, or for some other personal, whatever the goal is that you've set, uh, you need to reduce the distractions in your life. And the simplest way to do that in the digital age is to turn off notifications. Um, So what I mean by that is I do not get notified by Twitter ever unless I have a direct message and that's done via email. It's not a ding on my phone or on, uh, you know, in my browser. It's an email and I, uh, you know, I, and I don't have notifications set on my email. I never know when a new message comes into my inbox. I don't know when I get new messages on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm off of just about every other social network that's out there. Uh, even my phone doesn't ring anymore unless it comes from a contact that I've established in my phone because I have an increasing number of phone calls that are coming through from robocallers. And so a common problem. A lot of people have that, uh, that issue. And that's how I've dealt with it. Unless you're in my contacts, my phone doesn't ring anymore. So that's why um, you're not taking calls. <laughs> yeah, you got it, buddy. Um, so the, uh, 
But the point about notifications uh, is that when your brain is constantly distracted and you're going hopping from one thing to the next to the next, that could be social media, where the desire of social media is to get you to scroll and to scroll and to scroll, to click through to things that are funny or interesting or provocative. Uh, as your brain is constantly subjected to those distractions, it becomes very difficult to get any single one task done. And you may get it kind of done over the course of the day. And some people pride themselves, oh, I can multitask. You know, I can do Twitter and I can do my inbox and I can, you know, read all of these things and write these things or create a, a network design or, or you know, whatever all of it is. The fact is you don't do it as effectively. There's been plenty of science behind this. You don't do that as effectively uh, as when you are left undisturbed to focus on a single task focus on it deeply and get that task done. So for me, notifications has been the answer. I have almost no notifications at all. The one exception being my family. Um, I, I, I do have, I do get notifications for them if they message me in some way, but they don't message me a lot. So it's not uh, overly distracting. Um, that goes to a concept in a book I read by a gentleman named Cal Newport. Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work. If you are the kind of a person who is trying to learn something or is trying to accomplish some task, uh, Deep Work is a great book to read. It explains how your brain functions, how your brain suffers when you allow constant disruptions all the time, and then what you can do about it. Um, it, it's just a fantastic book. It's very easy to read. It's not overly long and uh, gave me a lot of insight that as I was reading, I kept nodding my head going, that's me. That's what's happening to me. And I made a lot of changes because of what I read in Cal Newport's uh, deep work. So high recommendation to, to grab that book and read it. And, and Cal specializes in this stuff. He's got a blog that he publishes occasionally on, as he does research in this area. He's an academic um, working on these things and he's got a new book coming out on how to get things done in a digital world that is designed purposefully to distract us and to click, click, click and react and, and so on because that's how social media uh, survives. That's, how that's, that's their business model is making us click on things and react. So, Yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a challenging thing and we don't see it happening. So definitely it's, it's a, a subject we could, we could talk at length and I, I hope to pull you back in and we can, we can do just that. Uh, and ironically enough, I give you three minutes to talk about the deepest part of the, the conversation, but you know, man, thanks you very much for taking the time sharing like the podcast story for folks that are getting started with podcasting or, or any kind of thing that they're doing audience building. These are super important things. It's very, very helpful. And I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Don't forget to go to mypillow.com forward slash packet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, at, the, at this point, I'm going to go to the MyPillow guy and say, look, dude, I gave you a lot of, a lot of props. <laughs> Is that and a I real need, thing? I thought you were making some, that up. I need some jingle. No, no, I just, it's funny. Like I, it's the, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, Salino and Barnes, the injury attorneys. Like I know these ones from listening to like radio and stuff. You just hear the same names or watch TV, you know, go to whatever.com forward slash news. It's the same awful, overly enunciated radio voice that gives the like, you know, go here and click this, but uh, really, you know, uh, the packet pushers, uh, the whole family of, of podcasts are, are well worth a listen. Uh, and thanks, Ethan. Thanks for sharing the story. Uh, again, before we go, how, how do folks find you online and send you messages that you won't get? 
<laughs> the best way is packetpushers.net. We've got a contact form there uh, you can fill out. Uh, we got an Ask Me Anything form that's up there that's a little more anonymous. Some people really like to be anonymous, and we respect that. Uh, also, ethancbanks.com is my personal blog. I do blog about productivity and some other things uh, there. I haven't been brought, uh, very active there lately, but I do uh, post every now and again with content there. And I have an about page that will explain different ways that you can get in touch with me. If you're a Twitter follower or a Twitter user, you can follow me at ECBanks. I'm there. Um, I do pay attention oh, once a day, once every other day. I check out everything and will respond to you if I catch your message. Uh, and I also post adventure pictures there occasionally. Most of my tweets are about IT stuff, but uh, sometimes I go climb a mountain and take a pretty picture and I'll post it up there on Twitter and people seem to like those. So I'm also on LinkedIn would be uh, the last way. So. Oh, nice. Sorry. I say a reminder that we are more than the thing we do. You know, it's the side things we do that are as interesting. And I'm, I'm a fan of watching, living vicariously through your mountain pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You look close enough. I got to drag you up a mountain one of these days. We'll put you on uh, a pair of snowshoes in to see what happens. There you go. There you go. Excellent. Well, Ethan, thanks very much. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to, to chatting further on this stuff. And don't forget, folks, like I said, jump in, check out the Packet Pushers. Go to packetpushers.net. You can see what it's all about or hear what it's all about. Uh, and then, of course, uh, hang tight. So hit the subscribe button if you're keen and you can hear more great shows like this. Thanks very much, Ethan. Thanks, Eric. It was fun.